Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Dallas, Texas, it's time for Dallas Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Dallas Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today we have with us Mark McGee with Unlimited Success Coaching. Welcome, Mark. Hi, how are you, Lee? I am doing well, but before we get too far into things, tell us about Unlimited Success Coaching. How are you serving folks? Um, well, it's it's been interesting. Um, over the last several years, I've been coaching uh, small businesses um, across several different sectors, and it's been it's been a blast. Um, I focus most of my time on small and micro businesses, um, less than like 50 million. Um, just because I like working with hand in hand with the, with the entrepreneur and the owner, that's really it. So I spend most of my time doing that. It's great. So now how did you get involved in coaching? Uh, was that something you've always kind of been enamored with? Um, yeah, it is. I, uh, I started out, um, when I was 16 years old, I was given the opportunity to open up a karate school in East Texas. And it was my brother and I, uh, he was 14 at the time. And our sensei said, Hey, I want you to go open up a school one town over. Uh, that's an actual distance. So (laughs) we did that. And, um, it was, it kind of gave me this love for teaching and helping people. And then throughout the military and throughout the early part of my career, that just grew. And as a quality manager for a pharmaceutical company, it helped me ask better questions and allowed me to be able to communicate a little bit better with people from all walks of life, especially within, within the hierarchy, everything from an operator or a maintenance tech to the president of the company. So having this ability to ask questions at every level of the organization was great. And then after that, I opened up my own karate school again as a, I don't know, I think I was 32 maybe. And, uh, and that was a blessing. And then after that, then I went into coaching pretty much full time as far as businesses go. So now how do you kind of marry the disciplines of the military, uh, martial arts and business all together to kind of come up with your own uh, cohesive coaching style, I guess? It's it's been a lot. Of, it, it's been a lot of fun um, being able to do that. The the biggest thing is establishing that relationship. Um, When you've got a a young man or woman who is struggling with something, doesn't matter what it is. It could be personal. It could be professional. Just to be able to interact with them at their place, in, in their space, in their time. So it could be that that the person is having a problem at home that's affecting their work um, because, you know, work-life balance really doesn't exist. In my opinion, we have work and work is part of our life. So when I, when I kind of join all this stuff together, 
It's finding out everything that I can about the person so that I can best serve them. And then when you're doing that kind of work and you mentioned that you're kind of focused on the smaller end of the business, I mean, 50 million is nothing to sneeze at for any size business, but um, these kind of business, are you seeing kind of common themes that people are struggling with the same types of things? Um, Yeah, for the most part it is. Um, A lot of it, especially now, because we have five generations of people in the workforce and inside of most companies. So we have people that are in their 60s and nearing retirement all the way down to, you know, this fresh face, 18 year old, fresh out of high school, all in the same building, all at the same time. Um, so we have kind of this, this disparity. And I, and I tell people this all the time, uh, folks our age were always taught that you never bring home into work and we never bring work into home, right? But you have an 18 year old that does not know that difference or a 22 or a 25 year old. They don't know that difference. They're friends. They work with their friends. Um, so what, what I see as a, as a common theme through that is this kind of, we have to make sure that, that the organization itself is healthy and that everybody understands what their role is in that organization and how everything affects the way that organization thrives, including what we do and say at home. Now, is there anything um, like a business owner can see around them? Are there any kind of clues that maybe that their organization is healthy or isn't healthy? Are there some kind of telltale signs? There, there's a few. Um, the biggest one is just look at how your employees interact during, you know, during the normal work day, if they're smiling and happy and laughing and, and joking and carrying on, that's, that's a good sign of a healthy organization. If you have people that are complaining about little things, you know, I don't like the coffee in the break room. I mean, those are, those are telltale signs. Um, because those things are going to have a direct effect on customer service. So your customer service or your customer satisfaction scores are going to dip. You're going to have lower profits. Your, your overall, just your overall performance is going to go down. So now when you're working with a, a company and you kind of, I, I guess one of the biggest benefits of um, working with you or somebody on your team is that you're kind of bringing fresh eyes to the situation. You know, maybe this company has plateaued or maybe they're struggling or maybe, you know, people are complaining about the coffee or whatever the, the issue is. You're coming in with fresh eyes and kind of getting the lay of the land. Um what does an engagement kind of look like? Is that the first part where you're kind of just observing and then you can um, slowly over time institute some actual actionable uh, recommendations? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, the, the way that I start out is I always start off with, with the executive team and figure out where they're at. Um, so I'll sit in on their executive team meetings that they, that they normally have weekly or, or however often they have them. 
And then I go down into managerial or departmental meetings. And then I interview people on the floor that are actually doing the work. And the questions are pretty much all the same of no matter what the, where the group is, it's, you know, what do you like about your job? What do you dislike? Where do you, where can you see improvements being made in how you work? And as I kind of go through these questions, it gives me a really good picture of how everybody sees the organization. And it's, and it's kind of weird. The higher up you are in the organization, you see this, this, your focus is on the really big picture, right? But it's all these little bitty steps from down below the people that are actually doing the work that make this big picture possible. So having that good 360 degree view of the organization is for me is, is key. Now, when you're working with a, a company, uh, how important is the culture? Um, what I find, because I, I talk to a lot of business owners and some of them don't kind of intentionally create a culture but they realize pretty quickly that a culture is being created, whether they're being mindful about it or not. Um, how do you kind of help that leader impact the culture in positive ways that are helping them get to the outcome they desire? There's, there's a book called the five dysfunctions of a team by Pat Lynchoni of the table group. And that book is kind of set the tone for, for what I use. Um, as my template, I, I want, I want the, I want the company to realize that having these happy, healthy employees are important. You know, we need to make sure that they're paid well for one thing. We need to make sure that we appreciate them. And that appreciation goes far beyond the Christmas turkey right? It, it goes down into the day-to-day just high five. You know, you did a great job on that proposal. Lee, thank you so much. It really helped me, really helped me land this client. I really appreciate all your hard work. Those are the kind of things that, that work when you build a culture. Um, when, I was, when I was in the army, I was given a squad. So I'm 19 maybe maybe 20 and was being put in charge of 12 men right and so I I learned really quickly that as a 20 year old with no common sense being put in charge with somebody with guns you've got to be able to to get everybody going in the same direction right you know you can't have people just off wandering around and, and learning to appreciate those guys and putting in all that hard work for you um, is, is key. It is, it is the most important thing in establishing a culture. Now, I think that uh, you mentioned this earlier with so many different generations and points of view and kind of worldviews all coming together in, in one workforce like they are today. And then you kind of layer on top of this the uncertainty of a pandemic and civil unrest. There's so many things going on simultaneously in today's world 
that it's extremely difficult for leaders to tackle this on their own. And it's critically important, I think, for them to be vulnerable enough to open themselves up to getting some coaching, um, uh, like proactively, rather than just kind of waiting until a crisis is, you know, on top of them. How do you kind of educate your prospective clients to just even open their mind to, hey, you know what? It might be a good idea to just get some fresh eyes on this. Um, well, that's interesting. I was speaking with a guy yesterday and he was, and I'm going to have two stories and they're, they're just the opposite. I was speaking with a guy yesterday and he, he was very open and vulnerable. And he said, you know, look, I, I'm a sales and business development expert. This is, that's my bread and butter. Um, I opened my own business and I cannot find the discipline to, work on the business day to day. I just can't. It's not, it's not my thing. I need help solving this problem. So we talked for about an hour and identified some things. Part of it was confidence because he's not used to being the boss. He's always reported to someone. So he's not used to being the boss. Um, and so building his confidence is, was the first thing, but he's got to, he's got to want it. You know, there's, uh, and I heard something a few days ago, how many psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? And the answer is one, but the light bulb has to want to change, right? So if you don't want to change, you're not going to, you can't pay me enough money to make that happen, right? Um, so I've, I've learned over time to pick out those people who are not willing to change, they're willing to give me money to change, but they're not willing to actually do it. So it's kind of a waste of both our times. Um, I'd rather not go to an engagement like that. Um, so the next story is I was working with a company and the, the manager, this was several years ago, and, and I was kind of testing the waters on how to get um, – more into this, this, this coaching gig. And so I approached him and I said, you know, this is, this is what I want to do. And he looked me dead in the eye and he said, we're not going to change. This company has been successful for 50 years doing the things that we're going to do. And we're not going to change period. So that one didn't work out. <laughs> you know, so you've got to want to change as a, as an executive and as a person, if, if you're not willing to grow, there's nothing that can be done. You're, you're, you can, you can force profits to get higher, but a lot of the, the stuff, especially with dealing with younger people, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. That's something we say in our team is that we can't want it more than our clients you know, they have to participate. <laughs> this isn't, you know, they have to want it as much, if not more than us. We're a tool to help them get the outcome they desire, but ultimately they have to want it. Um, and you, you know, you can't make them want it. Like you said, I mean, they have to do that on their own. They have to take that step. Um, what is a, your advice for that leader that maybe is going through something? Maybe they've never had coaching before, um, what are some maybe low hanging fruit that they can do on their own? Maybe the step before 
considering a coach? What what's some some baby steps they can be taking? Oh wow. Um some of the first steps is just to just to just get really raw with someone on your team that, that you feel comfortable with. Um, you know, sometimes that is, um, you know, my, with my business, it's, you know, it's basically just me, but I've been fortunate enough to have a wife that, uh, supports me on it. So if I'm struggling with something, I can go to her. Um, I can also go to my priest if I'm struggling with something. Um, so being able to have someone on your team and just say, I'm really struggling with this thing and I don't know how to handle it. What's your advice? What do you, what do you think? And, and just be, being able to, being humble enough to admit you need the help is the first thing. If you're, if you're not, if your ego's too big, then it's, again, it, it just will not work. It, it's a tricky um, spot to be in leading any group as you've found throughout your life. I mean, as a teenager, even through the military in your late teens, um, you know, you feel a responsibility to have all the answers, but it requires a humbleness to say, I don't have all the answers. Um, and I don't know if you necessarily have to have all the answers. You just maybe have to know where to look for the answers is probably good enough in most cases. Yes. Yes, it really is. Um, the, it, and, and I know a lot of pressure when I was, when I was younger, I was moving a laboratory from San Diego to Raleigh, North Carolina. And it was, it was very stressful. I was doing a hundred hour weeks, 20 hour days, you know, it was, it was incredibly hard and I was expected to have all the answers. And so that was extremely stressful for me. And it, and it broke me. I, I went into that position um, weighing like 175 pounds in great shape. Uh, 12 months later, I was 135 pounds. Just the stress had just got me. And I, you know, I wasn't eating, wasn't sleeping. Um, And at the end of it, when, it, when I finally realized that, that I didn't have all the answers and this job was going to kill me, literally, I, I quit and stayed home for a couple of months, spent time with my baby that I'd barely even seen and <laughs> uh, just kind of got back healthy again. But and I, and I told myself after that, that any job that requires me to work more than 40 hours a week is not a job that I want. And now, do I work more than 40 hours a week? Yes, but I do what I love. Entirely different animal. So, um, yeah, you, you, you've got to, you have to be there and, and know and understand that you don't have the answers. And don't try to have the answers because it'll it'll end up it'll end up breaking you. And like you said, you have more control over things than you might think you have, even though it seems like it's overwhelming. Um, you can step away. That is a choice as well. Yes, yes. I uh, I had a friend of mine uh, a couple of years ago, 
and worked in the oil field. And he was very, very personal, very kind, loving guy. And but his work persona was entirely different. His work persona was rough. Um, don't tell me what to do. I'm your boss. And it 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 was this huge dichotomy between what I would see in public with him when we would go hang out and his work. And he he used a lot of threat and intimidation to get things done. Um, every meeting was basically started off was like, okay, you guys are stupid and here's where you screwed up. And trying to get him over that just couldn't. Um, and he was working 70, 80 hours a week at times because he was the only one who could fix problems. No empowerment to anyone else. Um, unfortunately, just the last little bit, uh, he was laid off. And so he lost this really nice income. He basically has lost his identity. Um, and, and he's, he's hurting really bad, but he still has too much of an ego to take advice on how to solve it. Yeah, that's, that's a shame. And, um, and those kind of people do not really contribute to the organizational health of an organization because of, um, you know, it, it becomes too much about them and they're, they're, you, you almost have to nip that personality in the bud. I would think that to me would be a symptom of a non, not healthy organization when you have too many people like that, where they're the only ones who can do something, they have a difficult time delegating or empowering others. Um, to me, that's a, that's a tough one to have, especially in a small organization. Yes. Yes. And, and we see that across a lot of different organizations, uh, no matter the size, I was talking to a person a few weeks ago and he was, he was a, a mid-level manager at a distribution center. And, um, I asked him and he had been with another huge retailer before he came to this other huge retailer. And so I asked him, I was like, what's, what's the difference in leadership styles? What did, what do you see between organization one and organization two? And, and he was like, it's night and day. He's like, organization one is very siloed. You have your job. You don't talk to people outside of your group and you only report up. Organization number two is family oriented. They do things outside of work together. The management team does. They go to each other's houses. They, they, they talk. And these are both multi-billion dollar organizations. And, and I found that fascinating that that was the, that was the difference, you know, going from a very siloed instruction and both are, like I said, multi-billion dollar organizations, but the, just their overall philosophy at the local level was different. Right. It's like you said earlier, you can get to success in lots of different ways, but some ways may be healthier for the yeah. individual <laughs> contributors than others. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I, I prefer, I prefer the ones where if, if, if I walk into it and, and everybody's like, Hey, how's it going? You know, and they're, and they're relaxed and calm and, and everything. I, that makes me eat easier. I'm, I'm very empathetic to, to, um, 
the vibe that people puts off. That's part of that's just from martial arts training. You know, your, your brain is always like looking for somebody to, you know, who's trying to punch you. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> that, that can be exhausting after a while. If you're doing that, you know, every day oh, at work. Yeah, I know. I know this is, the, the, the great thing about this, about this work that I do, and, and any coach will, can tell you this, is it is emotionally draining. And at the same time, you, you know that you're having a positive impact. You know it because you see it in the, you see it in their eyes the next time, or you hear it in the voice the next time they speak, you know, um, I, I, I love doing this work because I get to help other people and that's, that's all there is to it. I, I have a blast. I've got a, a beautiful farm that I get to live on. I get to watch my horses play. Uh, I get to watch my dog chase chickens. It's great. And, but, but the joy that I get out of hearing someone just go, Oh man, I'm, I'm so relieved that we got this project done. Thank you so much is, is I know it's selfish of me to feel like that. Just, you know, that I might've had something to do with it, but just to be able to, to hear that just brings joy to my soul. Well, congratulations on all your success and thank you for the, doing the work you're doing. You're making a, a big impact in the community and we appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Now, if somebody wanted to learn more about your practice or, um, you know, kind of maybe engage in a more meaningful conversation, what is the website? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, best way to get a hold of me is going through my website, unlimitedsuccesscoaching.com. There's a little button on there that says schedule a call with Mark. Um, it's schedule. It schedules it for an hour. Um, and we just... And we talk about what's on your mind. Um, doesn't matter to me what it is. Just set it up and we'll talk about it. Um, that's the best way. You can reach me by text or phone as well at 903-565-9622. Um, that's another great way to do it. Um, or you can email me at Mark McGee, M-A-R-K-M-C-G-E, the number one, M-B-A, like Mike Bravo, alpha at gmail.com well mark any one of those way you can hit me up well mark thank you so much for sharing your story today thank you thank you for having me on i appreciate it all right this is lee Cantor. we will see you all next time on dallas business radio (laughs) 